0: time for Lime Ninja Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Lime Ninja Radio. I'm your host, McKay Rippey, and with me is producer Aurora. Hello. And today we have an interview that I'm very pleased to bring you. Her name is Brenna Falk, and she is the founder of Twist of Lime, which you've probably seen on Facebook and on the web. Tell us a little bit about Brenna.
2: After Hurricane Katrina, Brenna Falk and her family moved from Louisiana to Montana. She was sick off and on for several years, getting worse after coming down with strep throat. This sent her to a series of doctors, first to her local doctors, then out to the Mayo Clinic, and finally to a doctor in California who prescribed an hygienic slab, which proved the presence of Lyme, bab- babesiosis anaplasmosis, and CNS involvement. She's been diagnosed with neurological Lyme and receives IV antibiotics to Keep her s- symptoms at bay. She's been combating Lyme now for five years. After getting diagnosed and educating herself, she started a fundraising website called Twist of Lyme, which is dedicated to raising funds for Lyme disease research and education. She also shares updates for Lyme disease legislation as well as updates for fundraising and awareness events.
1: Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview. Brenda, this is McKay Rippey.
2: Hi, you doing?
1: Very well.
2: Good.
1: Good to hear from you. I understand I'm waking you up from a nap.
3: <laughs> no, I woke up earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I had a particularly long week. <laughs> I had visited my Lyme doctor in California this week to return home to... We hosted the entire Catholic parish, Luau, at my home yesterday.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness.
3: So and- the nap was much needed. <laughs>
1: A Catholic luau. That's I was I'm raised Catholic. I am Catholic. I've never been to a Catholic luau.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure how the knights come up with this one. My husband is a fourth degree knight of Columbus. Oh cool. Yes, and um they just decided that they weren't having enough fun here in Montana and you know, Luau <laughs> very appealing in Montana. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's great. So that's fun.
1: I grew up in Washington <laughs> DC and, uh, uh, I was a choir boy at St. Matthew's Cathedral, uh-huh. which is the cathedral where, uh, the funeral for Kennedy was held for uh, God, President Kennedy. And, uh, the, uh, on the high holy days, the knights were always there in their regalia. So they always have a place in my memory.
3: These. Oh yeah. My husband refuses the regalia. He likes to
0: hide in the kitchen. Oh. <laughs>
3: We're from Louisiana, so he's a really good cook. (laughs) (laughs) They found his skills and decided to keep them.
1: (laughs) That's fantastic.
3: So, how'd you get from Louisiana,
1: or is just he from Louisiana?
3: No, we were both born and raised down there. That's that's
1: if you could pick the furthest place from Louisiana, Montana would be pretty close.
3: Well, you know, we were hoping to avoid all natural disasters after Katrina was the goal. Oh, okay. We lived on the water, on the bayou, when Katrina hit. Of course, we had evacuated, but we lost our home. So my husband's a major hunter, and my sister's mother-in-law lives here. And she decided to move at that time. So I told my husband, you know what? We're homeless now and ever. (laughs) <laughs> here we are that? yeah yeah. I say homeless but we did have flood insurance we, we were actually able to sell our home after we got it in we made out okay we were able to buy a home when we got here
1: <laughs> that's good news and so you yeah. came down we with, with Lyme disease up in Montana
3: yeah yes we don't know it. I believe I've had it since I was a child or possibly contract it from my husband. We've been together for 21 years, um, and our night, we've had our entire family tested, so my husband is positive. My son is positive. He's dormant right now. He's 19. Our 16-year-old daughter came down with mono last October and yeah. is now active yeah. and has just received her pick line. Um, full-blown infections, everything. And we had our now six-year-old tested. And she is not showing any signs anywhere of Lyme in her system. Huh. They think that they had to take a course of antibiotics while I was pregnant oh. That's her. Um, but she has all the infections.
1: <laughs> oh, really?
3: <laughs> because the antibiotics don't kill the parasites. <laughs> that come with them. So they believe I had it all of that time and gave it to them through the center and I had breastfed all of my children right. for a year. Right. So, yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, I was not surprised when they finally released that study in January about the transmissions possibilities. From mother to child? Right. And or, or or sexually, yeah. Loved. Yeah. yeah, so since that time, the camp that my husband hunted in down there, another gentleman that he hunted with has come down with Lyme disease and he has the tick that he pulled off of him in the hunting area down there and had to test it tested in himself. So we're working very hard to try and prove because he knew about me, so he knew to save it and to do that so we can all work together and help prove that it's everywhere and get some more attention to this
1: <laughs> yeah well it absolutely is everywhere there's no doubt about that
3: Oh no, especially in this valley it's up and down this valley where I live it's only 10 miles wide hmm. from mountain range to mountain range and it's I'd say about 70 miles long and we know so many people here that have not left the valley that have Lyme disease Right. And they won't acknowledge it. I'm not sure if you had caught, they had an article, I did a fundraiser here a couple weeks ago, and public health picked it up, and she gave me a phone call. You know, it's a small town. And, you know, they don't understand. And I had to explain to her that since I've been sick, my husband and I have literally diagnosed three or four people we live in a town of five thousand. Right, that's a lot. Yeah. And they went to the doctor and had it confirmed. And so it's a sad day when the patients are diagnosing other patients and not doctors. I went through. Um, I went through a lot of doctors, Mayo clinics some really good ones, supposedly. <laughs> yeah. So that's my yeah frustration. I guess my biggest motivator is my children because. This is happening so often. There's another young girl here who hunted with my son, and she's never left the valley and left it, lost her scholarship and her career, and now uh, she's pregnant. Not to give birth, and I'm sure he'll have it. And that's the kind of stuff that just needs to end. So, so- without the and education, we can't get anywhere. And without and protection, So that's also, I work with legislature here in Montana. We only have it every other year. We didn't make it last year. We passed the Senate, got tabled in the House. But I've made a lot more friends since then. (laughs) So we believe we're going to be successful this coming session in the spring to have a bill protecting our naturopaths and our physicians as well.
1: Do you think things are a little bit uh, more... Politically easier in a state like Montana, that's not as densely populated, and there's not.
3: Absolutely, <laughs> I don't think I would have been able to get anywhere in Louisiana. And I do. I strong. I have a very strong faith, and I think it was all part of his plan. You know, I wondered. I never thought I would live in Montana, um, <laughs> and I I was a health guru. I was mean, like the last person anybody thought would get sick. I ate so clean. I worked out three hours a day. I ran 20 miles a week. I was a personal trainer for fun. <laughs> but half of my major had been health promotion along with exercise science. And so it gave me the tools needed to get into the advocacy field and the research field. So, you yeah, know, I think it was all in his plan. But Yes, I totally agree in Louisiana, because I've worked, I know a few politicians there, and it's not that easy. Because I've tried working there last year, actually this year as well, and I still will try again, because I can't ever really move back home if I wanted to, unless there's (laughs) more physicians that are, that know about it. And at this point, I think there's only two line literate physicians in Louisiana that I'm aware of.
0: Right.
1: Now your story is pretty intense in terms of when the symptoms finally came on, and then the treatment you've had to go through. It, yes, I've done a lot. It, it almost seems like maybe it was dormant—well, not dormant, but obviously active at a low level for a very long time—and really, and then at some point, kind of burst through the the, right. clinic, the clinical level, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh my goodness. Like, if you weren't, Except what did you well, call yourself, a health he guru? If you weren't a health guru, maybe you would have been <laughs> sick a long time ago. Maybe.
3: And that's what my doctor said. When I finally drove myself to California, she was a saint. And, you know, because she's the doctor that you wait four or six months to see. Right. She's been chair of ILAD. She's been, you know, she's pretty amazing. And I didn't do anything but get in my car and start driving. And I asked my doctor here, who knew her, I said, "Could you please call your friend and tell her I'm on my way?" <laughs> and she just kind of when she called me, she said, "You know what? If you're just going to get in your car and drive 1,800 miles to see me, I guess I need to see you." <laughs> and she saw me at 8:30 at night in her office in California and wow. that with me almost 11 o'clock. Yeah. And she did. She told me I can't believe how sick you are. Yeah. And you're still walking. And she did. She said it was because of the the extreme condition I had been in, she thinks is what saved me. And I'm just stubborn as hell.
1: (laughs) That always helps. Now are you still are you still getting I V antibiotics every
0: day? that part
3: of your return? Um, it's about to be again. We were getting kind of hopeful. I had been on IV antibiotics two and a half years. And I have spent, I know I need to add another extension to the about me because I have a whole other journey that I spent January this year through July at a wellness clinic in Pocatello, Idaho. Mm-hmm receiving all-natural therapies and IVs, high megadoses, um, three in a day. I was doing it every day, four days a week, also receiving neural injections, magnetic therapies, hypnotic therapies. I mean, just the whole nine yards, everything you could think of we were doing, mm-hmm. hoping to wean me off of the antibiotics. Um, but every time I wean off, my symptoms come back horrifically. Yeah, the neuropathy. Um, strangely enough, the newest goal because we had done the new hygienics panel, and my Lyme is actually worse, more active, according to the numbers now, than it's ever been. So she decided to go after the Babesia because. Something's got to be blocking. And she does refer with horror whips on me a lot, too, which is cool. I've been off for four months now. That's why I'm stuttering and things. My speech had improved quite a bit. (laughs) So she's focusing on getting rid of the Babesia in the hopes of getting to the Lyme at this point. Because I'm just one of those patients that they can't seem to make headway with. I wound up in the emergency room a few weeks ago with a major setback. I'm not sure if it was a stroke. You know, that goes with Lymes in hospitals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they heard Lyme and they said I had food poisoning and discharged me in an hour. <laughs> really? Yeah.
0: It was pretty frustrating.
1: So, not, so go through that a little bit more clearly because I'm not sure if I'll... So you go to the emergency room. You're having these horrible neurological symptoms.
3: Correct. Right. I was in Idaho alone because my husband was in Montana with the family. Okay. I had an apartment in Idaho where I was being treated at this clinic. Oh, okay. But I had it was getting... My time was ending, so I had been cleaning and packing and I pushed myself a little too hard and so I wound up having a flare, and it was one of the lovely times where the body goes into convulsions and you can't really talk, everything, but I could crawl and get to a phone, call 911, they told me to get me, Um, and I was in so much pain, the word line came out of my mouth without me even thinking, and so by the time I got to the hospital, it didn't matter, that I was was consciously seizing, I guess you could say, so to speak, but I could walk assisted, so they just decided I had food poisoning, and um, oh. I needed to go home.
1: Now, do you think also they may have known that you were going to that clinic, and they are just kind of shunning you because of that? I think that?
3: That is a possibility. I do believe that's a possibility. But I don't remember if I mentioned him or not, but I do know he's not in that particular area, they don't think very highly of natural paths, which is a shame. Right. But Coca-Cola, Idaho is an interesting community. While I enjoyed it, they have a very closed mind when it comes to the medical field, for sure. The most closed I've experienced. I was, went to visit a hyperbaric facility in hopes of getting my daughter and I a few sessions while we were there.
0: Right.
3: And we were literally chased out the doctor screaming at us. And that was after he allowed us to make an appointment, interestingly enough.
1: Okay, so this is blowing my mind too. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a hyperbaric chamber, which is kind of out on the fringes of medicine anyway. And, right. And
3: it had used to be privately owned. Right. They had recently been bought by a hospital locally. Okay. So I guess they decided, I'm not sure, but. The previous owner decided to speak with the medical director, and I told him flat out, you know, I had neurological Lyme, and mm-hmm. so did my daughter. Mm-hmm. We weren't going to, you know, make any qualms about it. We knew we had to pay out of pocket. Right. You know, just cut to the ass get to the numbers, and tell me what, what we got to do. <laughs> and, um, and he's so around just looking at me like he's baffled, and he's like, you think you got neurological Lyme disease? And I'm like, well, I know I do. And he says, you do know that doesn't exist. And I said, well, I have papers and symptoms to prove otherwise. And he said, well, I'll be back. He goes, talks to the medical director for about 15 minutes, comes back, hands us an appointment card, my daughter and I, and tells us to come back in two days for an appointment with the medical director. that ultimately was up to him. So we come back thinking, well, if we got an appointment, he should be considering us. Right. But he walked in the room as soon as, I mean, we got there. They made us wait, of course. There was no one else there. And he walked in the room, slapped our file on the counter, never opened it. And he said the same thing. <laughs> he think he got, and he laughed. did think he got Lyme disease.
0: Right.
3: And I'm looking at him. I'm like, no, my daughter and I have Lyme disease. I said, you know, we have these tests. And I handed him my hygienics labs. And he threw them back at me. Right literally, and he starts telling me about it non-existing and this, that, and the other, and that I shop around for doctors and people like me should be in therapy. And I just looked at him. I stood up and said, you are ignorant. (laughs) And I walked out the room with my daughter, and he's yelling at me. Of course he i have a rash. But the thing is, I do have a rash. He never asks or examines me. So, but yeah, I wanted to get a little feisty. So, I next morning called my insurance company and said they filed a claim that was fraud. Then I called the medical association and filed a formal report. And then I called the Idaho Doctor's Hospital and filed another formal report. (laughs) Wow. So,
1: little feisty is an understatement.
3: (laughs) I never used to be. I'm shy.
1: I I can tell by the giggle, but underneath the giggle, I think, is a little bit of a a steel resolve. Well, that's
3: what happens, I guess, when you've been sick for five years.
1: So this would actually be a useful tool for people to to know about when they've been treated. You're not the only one I've heard stories where doctors are, are really just... Not doctorly
3: at all. No, so, and that's why I guess it didn't freak me out either way because I had read so many horrific stories. Yeah. And um, so, so yeah. Tell, tell
1: me well, what. Tell me. Tell us again what you filed, what grievances you filed, and what the purpose of those were.
3: But the purpose, my main goal was so that he would hopefully refrain from ever treating another patient like that again, especially a Lyme patient. They're so vulnerable, as it is, a lot of them. While I've learned to be a little feisty, I know plenty that aren't. And those are the ones that make me feistier because I get so mad for them. (laughs) Well, when we looked at my husband and I decided, you know, he hadn't done anything quite illegal, You know, we were talking about malpractice. My husband, he immediately wants to get revenge. And I'm like, he didn't really file, do anything illegal, but then we looked at the Code of Conduct and the Code of Ethics for Medical Physicians. And he broke four of them. I mean, right off the bat. And, well, I mean, if you think about it, do no harm. Number one, my daughter was mortified. She was one of my main reasons, I think, that I did it. Hmm. because he did that in front of her. So she's supposed to trust the medical system. I've already learned not to, but she hasn't yet. And, you know, it's just very disturbing when a physician treats a sick patient like they're beneath them. I mean, he literally didn't ask me a question about my health. He came in with his judgment. Um, so, it was based upon his breaking of the code of ethics and disrespect. And so, I and I don't think they'll do anything but maybe fuss at him and he'll laugh and shred the paper, I'm sure. <laughs> he was pretty cocky. But I just really wanted to not happen to another Lyme patient or any other patient. And I don't understand why because they do off-label use. They... Actually, are very proud of their work with um, veterans and PTSD. Lyme so has this, that-
1: yeah. Lyme has this funny place. I've had some people call it a perfect storm, an intersection yeah. of all that's bad in the world. Just seems to show up at Lyme disease. It's in in mathematics, in very high level mathematics. There's this uh, this phenomenon called a strange attractor. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, so in, in these high-powered mathematics, you can have lots of lots of answers to a, an equation, and the answers tend to gather around certain certain points. So when you graph them, they, they they tend to light up in certain areas, and it's called a strange attractor. And Lyme disease is one of those strange attractors, so it it brings out the worst. You know, it brings out the worst in us physically. It brings out the worst in us pain wise. It brings out the worst in our systems around us. It brings out the worst in doctors, in the government. It's, it's just bizarre.
3: It is. It truly is.
1: On the other end of that, I talk to people who, like Jenny Rush, who I interviewed recently, Talks about it mm-hmm. also as an opportunity to kind of push through that. And once you get through to the other side, it's an opportunity for learning and for transformation and for faith and to Absolutely. right to reinvigorate all that. And to How
3: become, long was she sick? I missed that.
1: You know, I don't have the, the timing right in front of me. She was sick on and mm-hmm. off for quite a while. And she was, yeah. she was a very healthy person too. So she was, she bounced back and forth. She was sick and then she got better and then she'd push herself okay. and she'd get sick again. And, yeah. and, and it was one of those dark days where she's lying around and in a lot of pain and suffering yeah. and exhaustion, uh, where she begins to take a deep look at herself. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's hard. I mean, I've in the last, I guess, Four months. I the whole time has been an evolution for me. <laughs> I told somebody if I wrote a book about it, you know, I'd call it a confession. And they're like, "What? What's I got to do with wine?" And I says, "Because it seems to me, from all the stories I read, when you get sick, like you said, you have to take these dark books inside and find the things that weren't fixed or were broken." Um, or not addressed or, and you have to deal with all these things and they come out all that negative energy does come out sure um, does. so yeah and it goes up and down and I did come out on the other side for a couple of years I I was quite the optimist <laughs> I, I, I hit a hard space this year I guess I had put too much hope in the clinic and was really hopeful to get off of the antibiotics. Mm. And having been off of them, um, I've developed new symptoms as well. And now it's kind of making me bipolar. Yeah. And I go back and forth. And one day I'm taking very dark, deep looks at myself. (laughs) And the next day I'm reaching out and trying to make everybody I know or don't know laugh to make myself feel better. Yeah.
1: It's it's interesting how individual the treatment of this can be because of the ground, because we're all individual. We all have our genetic variances and then life experience mm -hmm. variances, and then we're all infected with different things that are just kind of hanging out. And our gut bacteria is different, and then the Lyme comes along, mm-hmm. and depending on, and then and then the co-infections like you have, and Correct. all all of a sudden you get this unique mixture of of illnesses, and you know in your case really affecting your brain and central nervous system. It sounds like a lot, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it, so so other people can go through you know, three months, six months of IV antibiotics and be better. Yes. That's that's not your path right now, is
3: No. They think that I'm probably going to be a life longer if I want to stay active. Yeah. Um, she said even if it's just that, you know, I go off a few months, go back on a few months when I start to feel bad, um, she, Because of some genetic mutations we've discovered, um, that was one of the things we've done to try and figure out, and it has helped with some areas of my supplementation. I have some pretty nasty genetic mutations that predisposed me pretty much for this, she said. She's finding that almost all of her chronic Lyme, neurological Lyme patients have a double mutation on the MTHFR gene. Which is a large number of the population makes gives them susceptible makes them susceptible to it if their immune systems fail.
1: So translate that into English for me. So is that part of the methylation pathway, or what is that double D?
3: Yes, yes. It, um, the double the MTHFR gene. I don't really know what it stands for or anything, but I know it's responsible for metabolizing the B vitamins and allowing your body and your brain and your cells to utilize them. So for all my life, except for a short period, my mom was a nurse and there was a couple of years in there where she was giving me injections Uh. and I didn't know why. And I don't even think she knew why, but they helped. Right. So I cannot metabolize B vitamins from foods and supplements. Um, And I kind of knew that. I would take them and get headaches or feel sick, so I never took them. But once that we found the mutation, and she told me what it was, she I now take metabolized forms of B6, B9. I mean, they have different names, prescriptions, and injections. And so it altered my energy levels. I can actually usually stay awake all day if I'm not up till 2 a.m. <laughs> But so, I was thrilled because two years ago I couldn't stay up till 2 a.m. <laughs> right.
1: So here's a question for you. You've had this defect, obviously, since since birth. And B vitamins mm-hmm. are so important not only for your nervous system but for digestion. Mm-hmm. Did you have digestion problems all your life?
3: Well, I did not think so, but okay. I've always been thin.
0: Okay.
3: So... And I have to say, I was the in my family, and I never questioned it. I just thanked it. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: you're the lucky one, right?
3: <laughs> I said, oh, I had a good metabolism. Right. <laughs> I never connected the gyps. In fact, I still hadn't even thought about it in that manner, yeah. But I did after kids. I think I started the game just like the rest of my family. I don't know that it really mattered, but when I got sick, because I was, I was a workout scheme. And I did. I had to run an hour a day to not gain weight. Right. And then all of a sudden I dropped ten pounds in less than two months and but I had just moved here so the doctors didn't know me. And they just kept telling me I was depressed.
1: You know so one of one of my Big pushes in my practice is vitamin D and yeah. m- moving from Louisiana to Montana and you came down with the the symptoms in the middle of winter, right?
3: Um, the first event yes, it was yeah. and yeah, that was what my gynecologist told me to do. I'll go to the tanning <laughs> bed
0: yeah. but yeah
1: but but right at that point it's it's too late. But, um, it's, it's interesting because yes. I have, I have a brother in law who's a potato farmer. Well, he's a potato farmer consultant and he, he was, he was in Texas, um, working on farms there and he and his family moved up to North Dakota. To do the same thing on, and a little less intensively, because at least in in North Dakota they get the winters off because you can't farm. But he right. he was he was diagnosed with MS, and I'm right. I'm really suspicious.
3: Has given, he had uh, a spinal tap?
1: I, excuse me, has he had a
3: a spinal tap?
1: A spinal tap? I don't know.
3: Could, I mean, do you know about that study? The I think Alan McDonald was involved is involved in it. Yeah. And where they're testing all MS patients that turn in spinal fluid for free. And if they find the Borrelia DNA in it, they even pay for treatment.
0: Huh. I'll have to mention
3: yeah. that to them. Yeah, it's um the address is Lime dash MS dash pathology.com. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll tell
0: him
1: about that.
3: It's the largest international MS study ever done, and that's the goal is to prove that it's basically a Borrelia brain infection. Cause, yeah. Yeah, I've had a spec scan, and I have lesions all over my brain, just yeah. like an MS patient would. And
0: exactly. If
3: I hadn't already been diagnosed, I'm sure yeah. eventually a neurologist would have given me an MS diagnosis. Because... Yeah if I hadn't started the IV antibiotics when I did, I would have been in a wheelchair because I was having more and more trouble walking and it was just, and it was like happening faster and faster. But um, yeah, he should check that out.
1: I will definitely pass on that information and we'll make sure I put that in the show notes too when we do that so other people can have a look at that. It's yeah, it's, it's funny. You talked earlier amazing. about, about and, and your story is so, Indicative, uh, there, there's a, there's phrases in the Bible over and over again, and the Old Testament talking about eyes that cannot see and ears that cannot hear, and no. it's once you understand or accept the possibility that a lot of these problems can be infectious based, it's like all of a sudden you start seeing it everywhere. It's like when you buy a blue. I don't know Prius. All of a sudden, all you see around you is blue Priuses, except maybe in the middle of Montana. Yeah, are me
3: now. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And and it, you know, of course, you're probably over. We're, we're over identifying with it. There'll be some people who who it's not that case. But man, it it really just seems to be everywhere. Once you start having your eyes yeah. open to the facts.
3: My husband and I were just discussing that last night because at the Luau, that we, you know, we go to church, but there's several different churches in the parish, so we don't know half the people that come. And I introduced myself to this one couple, and turned out they had just, they were here visiting from Salt Lake City
0: mm-hmm.
3: and had happened to be at Mass that eve- yesterday evening and came out. And she had a cane, and she said she was rehabbing, but her partner was out on the dance floor um, and having a ball. And she was just ha- so happy to be dancing because she had been laid out the whole winter in bed, couldn't get up. And I said, yeah, I know a little bit about that. And she um, kind of looks at me and says, okay, what's wrong with you? And I said, <laughs> "I told her, I said, I had." not Chronic neurological Lyme disease, and she looks at me with this funny look. She says, "You mean you have post Lyme disease syndrome?" I looked at her. I said, um, "No, I have an active neurological Lyme infection. Thank you."
0: And I
1: just- <laughs> so actually, that's a, that's a strange response from somebody because that's showing somebody actually has a medical knowledge. So what? Why did she? Was she a nurse or something? And that's
3: what I said. And that's what what I was thinking. I'm thinking she's either judgmental or – because that's typically not how I would respond. Right. And then she's, I forgot what she said after that. But I do – I think they had Lyme disease and wouldn't admit it because – Every time I would ask her what she was rehabbing from, oh, my back, this. And I'm like, well, and then I would ask her, Fred, Holly, why were you in bed for six months? I don't know. And then she asked me, why, how is it transmitted? And I told her, (laughs) and when I said it's sexually transmitted, she looked at me and she just said, thank you. And I said, for what? For admitting that. And I'm like, you you know more about Lyme than you're telling me. Yeah. I said, what well, do you know about this? What and she would never tell me.
1: Yeah, what it sounds like is she's been been through it's the through Western the medical, bandit. right, and been told, no, that can't be it.
3: Exactly. As I told Michael, it sounded to me like somebody who had been trained to keep her mouth shut. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Scout was, and we had two other Limeys here, too. And we're talking about 100 people.
0: Yep. Well, I... You know
1: this and infection, not
3: including my family, we were to have it. <laughs> right. well, that's
1: the thing. These infections, I think, you know, we we got we got through syphilis, right, and that was a huge scourge and really influenced the entire world. And then they came now up with penicillin.
3: Understandable, but, but in today's
1: day and age, you no, know, medicine. Ha- hang on. You got the, the rest, of the second part of that story is we got penicillin. Hmm. And all yeah. of a sudden, we're cured. And now nobody dies from flu, or rarely, right? I mean, we're, we're mm-hmm. so the, the idea of infections, unless it's something super scary like Ebola that's going to kill you and blood's going to come out of every orifice and you know, <laughs> in, in 25 minutes. <laughs>
3: There's no difference between us and AIDS except we die
1: slower. <laughs> yeah, that's ex- well, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So from the medical yeah. point of view, we've handled all this stuff. You know, you get a little bit of a fever, we give you some antibiotics, boom, it's mm-hmm. no longer a problem. But all the time, the, the mm-hmm. penicillin, the other antibiotics have blinded us to what's going on inside our bodies. Mm-hmm. And nobody's been looking for these, this low level creeping bacteria that can, mm-hmm. that can take over, you know, drill into your uh, cartilage and into your brain and into your tissue, mm-hmm. right? And then, then you're stressed out with something, whether it's a move or a mm-hmm. lack of vitamin D or whatever, or the cold weather for the first time.
3: Yeah, <laughs> or a combination of right. a, trend, a move, almost a divorce, right. having and, a baby. Yep, <laughs>
1: emotional shock. Exactly. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the invasion, yeah. you know, all the spies have been set all throughout your body, and the invasion commences. And the mm-hmm. last thing they're going to look at is an, an infection. Well, because, you know, that can't be that.
3: Well, and interestingly enough, the second doctor I went to, she was an internist. And she told me, she says, I know there's something going on. Your immune system is overactive. It's fighting something. I don't know what it's fighting. I don't know why. I can't help you. But I still like her because she was honest.
0: <laughs>
1: well, ex- well, exactly. She was the
3: only one that just flat out told me the truth. <laughs> right.
1: And that's extraordinary, actually.
3: Yes, because I couldn't believe two infectious disease doctors couldn't help me here. And not only could they not help me, they testified against me at the legislative hearing. (laughs) As I'm sitting there shaking and seizing almost so bad that I couldn't barely testify. And they wouldn't look me in the eye. (laughs) Like she's so wrong
0: <laughs> well
1: they're defending they're they're defending the un- indefensible you know they're defending a point of view that's not based on reality Fine. but they're um, so, they're
3: defending ignorance in my opinion
1: of course they are which takes a lot of work to fight it's against right. what's in front of you and they're and they're working hard
3: but that not have the work here until I came around. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody talked about it here. Right. And I'm the first I've been yeah, you know, last year I started with the first fundraiser and started making waves, and I got a few nasty calls from the lab because I live ten miles from Rocky Mountain Laboratory and I also live ten miles from Willie Bergdorf <laughs> Right. <laughs> um So it's interesting. They're very sensitive and defensive about the fact that they don't know anything about am with their lab right here. I had the lab call me. They told me not to do anything. I'm like, so what? I'm just supposed to live in a wheelchair? They're telling me don't treat. They wouldn't treat my friend. uh, She's now, I think she's on her eighth concussion carrying a baby because uh-huh. she passes out randomly uh. and nobody will treat her.
1: Right. And what, and I, I, st- I, it's funny. I have, uh, I've coached uh, women's lacrosse and we have this goalie who had to retire because she had oh. her fifth concussion or something. And it's a very strange thing because the I, I saw a couple of her injuries and they weren't, Violent. She got hit with the ball in warm up. So she's wearing a helmet. She got hit with the ball, but it wasn't a violent contact. And I, I'm convinced there's some sort of infectious with, with some of these concussion things. Yeah, you can hit your head and, but then you kind of have a normal recovery. But some of these chronic concussion people, I think they could be helped with antibiotics. I think well,
3: it opens I up
1: think, the blood brain barrier and some of these bacteria I think that's get the in kind there. Of
3: happened to me.
1: Really? Because,
3: I yeah, I'm pretty sure I've had this stuff all my life. I mean, I grew up in Louisiana, mosquitoes, biting bugs everywhere, and yep. we know they all carry it down there, even if the doctors in the medical field won't admit it. But I actually, right before I got sick, had a horse accident and got a uh, concussion. Uh, I... And I had gotten clocked right across the forehead and had about eight stitches in my forehead. Yep. And I have always, and I did read that many, many times in the beginning when we were trying to find a diagnosis. You know, chronic fatigue. A lot of them is triggered by head injuries, yeah. and yeah. exactly. And um and there's, yeah, there's- and I'm shocked my son hasn't become active because he's had four or five. I've lost count.
0: <laughs> Concussions. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um snowboarding accidents, car accidents four wheeling accidents, <laughs> he's an active boy, yeah, but he's- and he even guts deer with open wounds on his hands. I just want to strangle him. this is after I've been sick, he's doing it, knowing he's got it in his system. he's nineteen he's invincible uh,
1: yes, until right, we are until we're
0: not right.
3: Yeah, until I got sick five years ago. I was invincible, too. So, Brenna,
1: you've been very generous with your time. And uh, before I say goodbye, I want to give you a chance to talk about uh, Twist for Lime and what you're doing and – or Twist of Lime, sorry.
3: Okay. Well, I mean, Twist of (laughs) Lime, my main goal, I guess – is going to hopefully wind up being education. You know, um, my training is pretty much in education, and I do believe that that's going to be the best way to combat the problem. Activism and picketing and all that stuff's great, but without educating the physicians and the parents and the children, the the prevalence and the spreading of this. I don't believe is going to slow down very much at all. So I'm hoping to get into the school systems this year locally first and then in time expanding around and going into the health programs and educating the higher risk youth groups about Lyme disease and I think it was Nancy Fox, Dr. Nancy Fox wrote a book for children so I have her books and then I I will bring the books to each school and donate them to the children's libraries. So some of the funds that I've raised are towards that. And I've also to the Montana system here. <laughs> becoming popular. And I have collected quite a number of ticks here and had a fundraiser recently at our microbrewery where we auctioned people off in honor of those who have been made slaves to Lyme disease. Uh, and i had idea. all kinds of volunteers, and they donated their labors, and they were bought, and we raised enough money to cover the cost of the tick testing. And I found a lab on the East Coast that has agreed to test all my ticks for whatever bacterias I want, because so many of the labs say, well, we're only going to test a beer tick for Lyme because dog ticks don't carry it. Right, right. But something is carrying it in the valley that they don't know about because all these people are getting sick from it. Right. So I, it took me four labs, but I found a lab that agreed to test it regardless if I pay for it. So that's one thing we'll be doing soon. So I'm excited about that, and hopefully we'll be able to get some more people's attention in that manner, um, but and I also do the legislative work here hoping to get the bill passed to protect our physicians and naturopaths, and that might give them more incentive and maybe learn about it, that they don't have to be scared of the repercussions, because we've had a couple of physicians chased out of the state. Yeah. Um, and my husband and I will be attending ILADS, Conference in D.C. this October, so that we can learn even more to I'm, I'm ad, educate su- and
1: advocate. I'm pretty sure I'm going too, so we should uh, meet up.
3: That would be wonderful. Yeah, and ultimately, I just would love to continue fundraising for research and um, like getting it into the hands, and and in the house is also one of my pets, I suppose. I like to raise money and send it to my Nana house. There were, during those few rough years that I know many Limeys have when people won't believe in them, I dreamed of a place like a Nana house to go to and have some respite and care and someone to believe in, you Right. So I I do highly support a Nana house as well. And they... Yes, definitely are an inspiration.
1: And that website is twistoflime.org and it's twist with a Y, like Lyme diseases has a Y. So T-W-Y-S-T of Lyme.org. Yes, yes. And similarly, so if somebody's in Montana and wants to help you, what's the, how should they get hold of you?
3: Twistedlime
1: at com. Terrific. All right. Well, thank you
0: again. Thank you very much. It's been an honor.
1: You're welcome. That's, it's really the honor is is all mine. Uh, it's, it, it, it's humbling to speak with so many of you who are battling every day just to make it through the day. And then on top yeah. of it, you become activists. You get so uh, ticked off. Pardon the pun. <laughs> and, uh, and get into action and take every last little bit of energy that you have and start pouring into some positive direction to, to change what's going on. And I, I like to think of all of this, every little bit that we do is another snowflake in the storm. At some point, we're going to blanket
3: exactly. the country well, and the world, be- and
1: they're going to have to pay attention.
3: Yeah, Scott has a plan for everything and there's good in everything if you can find if you look for it. And so despite the pain, I had to make something good out of this nonsense. <laughs> and you are definitely doing that. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Well yeah, keep trying. You're doing it.
2: So Loved, loved that interview. Uh, What's really cool about Brenna and, and really all the people you've interviewed is that they don't give up. They, you know, they come down horribly, debilitatingly sick and it takes them two years on average now to get diagnosed properly with Lyme disease. And in all that time, they never resign themselves to Oh, this is my life now, and this is how things are going to be. It's like they—they they never have that. It, it's like may, maybe they've thought about it, but it seems like they—they they always push through that point of resignation to keep going and have this drive to keep getting better. It's really—it's really inspiring.
1: Yes, the human spirit is an incredible, whatever it is, <laughs> an incredible thing, an incredible yeah. being incredible force and without an intact spirit it's almost impossible to heal yeah well said aurora all right thanks for listening if you have feedback for us please send us an email at
2: feedback at limeninjaradio.com
1: and like us on facebook you can also visit our website for links and show notes, and what's the website address?
2: The website is Lime Ninja Radio dot com. That's www Ninja Radio
1: You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. Make sure you don't miss an episode. You just uh, Google iTunes or through your iTunes browser on your phone or on your desktop. Just search for us and you'll find us there under Lime Ninja. And be sure to come back, check back with us next week. We have an interview with Diane Marie, and I'm really excited about that interview. She runs New Mexico Lyme Support and is really interested in the financial aspect of helping people uh, get treatment, much like Brenna is with uh, her network. So I think it's an important interview for all of us. And the last thing that we have on our to-do list is the ninja fact of the day. Aurora?
3: Fear
2: of spiders is called arachnophobia. Fear of tight spaces is claustrophobia. Fear of ninjas is called logic.